Welcome to JV Reads the T. The T stands for tarot, honey. I'm JV Hampton Van Sant. Each week, I am joined by a guest and I read their tarot cards. I use the Wild Unknown deck and the Wild Unknown Animal Spirit decks by Kim Kranz to dive deep with a special six-card reading. And, of course, we go on usually pretty related tangents. So grab your wand, light a candle, and let's spill that tea, honey. What is up, witches and bitches? Ha-ha! <laughs> Welcome back! Um, we are officially now recording in November, where things are... Um, well, we're recording this the day before we figure out what democracy is thinking and what democracy is wanting to do. Um, that's where we're at. But today we have a fantastic guest. Um, I literally can't, um, can't like emotionally wrap my head around the fact that I have the fantastic Sarah Marshall on the other end of this microphone. Hey, Sarah. Hello. How are you? I'm here. We're here. We are. We've made it. Uh, We are. We are here, and things are mostly good. Um, Things are. There are good things. Yes, there are good things about, um, and hopefully these cards will reveal them. But who knows? Um, (laughs) But um, for people who. I, I highly doubt that people who like, who follow this show and also follow me on Twitter don't know who you are. That would just be weird at this point. But um, <laughs> in case they don't, um, how about uh, you tell the people what you do and uh, where they might have heard you before? Yeah. Well, I host a podcast called You're Wrong About that's about misremembered history. Um, and we just did the... Well, we're mostly through with the saga of Princess Diana. We have one episode to go. And Mm. also a podcast called Why Are Dads about watching and discussing dad movies. Um, Mm. And I am also a writer and I've published work in The Believer. I used to publish in The New Republic and had some stuff in BuzzFeed, wrote a lot about maligned women. I don't publish stuff very much lately because I'm more of a talker these days, but I'm working on a book about the satanic panic. And, and I say that that way because I say it at the top of every podcast episode (laughs) that I do. So it feels like a thing that I could say in my sleep at this point. Um, yeah. And, and I also tweet a lot (laughs) and uh, that's really that's my semblance of a social life this year. So I spent a lot of time on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I am, I, I am a massive fan of yours, and um, I'm a fan I, of yours. Sh- by the way, oh. we're oh, going to have a mutual fan experience because, like, we've oh. been uh, Twitter pals for I think a couple of years now, and like, yeah, I love just about. your presence on there and your intelligence and your is it fair to call it cosplay does that express the complexity oh that does yes okay because <laughs> I, yeah. I mean i know that cosplay gets conceptual but i feel like you you do 
I don't know. I guess I love, um, I love it when people express themselves through fashion, partly because I hardly oh, ever do it myself. Oh, that but makes I, me... You know, I think it's one of, yeah, it's like one of the really delightful things about humans that we can convey so much and, and just do such complex things through these, you know, these collections of, of objects that we put on our bodies. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, totally. Oh, thank you for that. That's, oh my God, that makes me so happy. Um, I have at this point listened to every episode of You're Wrong About at least uh, once, uh, honestly, most of them twice now. Um, I'm all caught up on uh, Why Our Dads. I love it. Um, it makes me think a lot about, like, it, like, it's been making me think a lot, which I always appreciate. Um, but I wanted to ask, so how is the book going? <laughs> <laughs> that feels like such a loaded question. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's going, but it's, I mean, there's an interesting thing right now where I feel like a lot of the work that I'm doing on it is keeping track of like the satanic panic comma TOO because mm -hmm. it feels like with QAnon and so on, Ooh. which I feel like, like to put this in perspective, I guess I would say that I started researching the satanic panic in March of 2018 and it was something that I'd researched before and taught about and had been aware of for a while and so we were starting this podcast and I was like for my first episode I'll do this topic and then I'll move on with my life wrong um <laughs> you know and then uh, yes yeah you know <laughs> and um and at the time, it was this very weird niche thing that I was interested in that I had to explain to almost everyone what it was. And that was part of the reason that I talked about it so much was because I felt like here is this huge phenomenon that really never ended when you think hmm. about it, which, which like a year ago was something that I was like sort of insightful for pointing out. But now it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> and I, I had to tell everyone what it was about. And now I feel like we're living in an America where in a, like the mainstream sort of coverage of elections forces us to be aware of belief systems that people have that are like weirder and more convoluted than the satanic panic ever was, honestly. And, you know, yeah. I, that's, that happened fast. Ooh, it really <laughs> did. Like, uh, honestly, I like at the very least, like, thinking about um thinking about the satanic panic from like a uh, from a psychological view i guess i don't know that's a weird way to for me in particular to word that but like thinking about it like that i can understand kind of where it's coming from like like where most people came from mm. i understand that like sense of yeah that sense of fear i totally get that yeah. Um, and then it's born out of the fear that your children are being sexually abused and that society doesn't recognize sexual abuse in a very basic way. And it's like, yeah, yeah. yes, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that I can yeah. totally get. That I totally understand. Yeah. I understand that so much more than I understand pretty much anything else that's yeah. been happening since then. Like, I just... I, well, QAnon uh, is very focused on the idea that, you know, the Democrats and liberal Hollywood, et cetera, are also sexually abusing children. But in this case, it feels like 
that's like, there's not real concern or fear there. It's not something that started off being driven by parents the way the satanic mm -hmm. panic was. It's not something that started off being driven by, again, well-intentioned and yet tragically misinformed social workers the way the satanic panic was. Like it feels here like allegations of child abuse are just an excuse to demonize any Democrat and be like, they are literally in league with Satan and they are also committing the worst earthly crimes we can even imagine. You know, mm. it feels like, yeah, a place of propaganda rather than a place of concern. Totally. And the thing about that that always gets to me is like, the, the thing that they are missing is the fact that, uh, well, yeah, uh, uh, there is there there is completely absolutely actual abuse occurring um in hollywood in various places um it never looks the way they insist it looks in, and it just it's so frustrating um that i find extremely frustrating i yeah. i it's but then again also i guess at the end of the day that particular fear I feel like often is a cover um, mm. for like what the actual thing that they want to sort of express is, which is a, I don't know, a, a, I don't know how to, it, how to word it. I've been thinking about it literally all day um, yeah. in the lead up to like, in the lead up to everything that like might happen tomorrow. Well, at the time that people hear this, cause I'm going to, um, most likely release this next um next tuesday um mm -hmm. next tuesday morning um so at that point they'll have had a week um a week to sort of figure out what exactly is happening um unless you know it's it's a bush v gore type situation and we just oh all around tenterhooks for weeks um but then we'll know that we're on tenterhooks so yeah we'll know something yeah we'll know more than oh, we do now probably yeah like <laughs> It's gotten to the point where, like, my family has a safety plan. Mm. Um, like, we had that conversation of, like, listen, things are already looking pretty bad. Like, we had, um, at my day job, we uh, do a lot of work around diversity and inclusion. Um, and <laughs> we got one of the schools in the area renamed to... Um, like renamed to W.E.B. Du Bois Middle School hmm. because we live in the town that he is from. Hmm. Um, he is our literal most famous export. Mm -hmm. So it would it would stand to reason we should probably name something after him. Um, uh -huh. Just one thing. Something I don't know. Related to literature and learning, perhaps. Who can say? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But like they had this option back in 2004 to name the elementary school this and they went with Muddy Brook instead. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that's how deep racism runs in this weird area of Massachusetts. Um, mm -hmm. But like, yeah. And on that call, like we got zoom bombed by somebody who was a, who was actually a local. Mm. Um, it was oof, it was bad. It like really shook like everybody. Um, mm. And then like 
there was a Trump rally directly across the street from my house. So wow. we've got a safety plan. Um, we've, we've got a safety plan in place with like a bunch of different um, sort of people who will be watching over the next like week to make sure that our house doesn't get burnt down or things like that. Not that like mm-hmm. we're fully like, that's just the worst case scenario. Um, yeah. If like things don't go their way, um, they have been shown to previously be um, a bit aggressive. Um, also, the uh, the chief of police for my town was at the rally, uh, which oh, was God. not great. Oh, yeah, um, he was at the rally before we called and not to hand out tickets. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was delightful um, and it was bad. Uh, but anyway, yeah. that is all. <laughs> That's all that. That is all the lovely sort of um, the lovely sort of anxiety of the next few of the next few uh, probably few weeks, to be honest. But we'll get through it. I have faith that we will survive whatever happens. Um, how specifically we're going to feel about that survival will will sort of depend on what happens. But. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I figure. Um, <clears throat> oh, God. Uh, uh, I knew today was a bad day to start re uh, drinking soda. That is a weird thing. Um, <laughs> bad choices. My God. Um, so I'm just now uh, flipping these cards over. Mm. This is. Ooh, wow. Um, these are. These are gorgeous. Um, <laughs> first of all, um, I love I'm, this moment. I'm realizing I haven't had this moment in a while when someone is looking at the cards and they're like making the little, the first reaction sounds. It's a very exciting moment. It's like when they bring your meal to the table. Uh, yes. My favorite moment, literally always. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my absolute favorite moment. Ah, yes. The food is here. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> Very specifically because I am, uh, I love food and things. Um, I am taking photos so I can send you the photo of the uh, cards oh, cool. as we, as we go through. Um, I'll send them to you on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so that way you'll be able to be able to see the whole thing. Um, and I have close-ups of each individual card, so that'll Yay. be lovely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this card is in the past position. Um, this is the moon. Ah. So we're starting off with the starting off with Great. the major arcana, um, which that's, feels that's lovely. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is. I also didn't do the very easy and simple thing of open up the little book that has all the information in it. Oh, I tend to um, go so off that I know myself. Mm, yeah, I... Um, oh, also, I love this deck. Better. I have dear friends who have this deck and yes. have, yeah, some really lovely memories of it. Yeah, it's my absolute favorite. I, It's funny. I have another one literally sitting right here. Um, it's called the, the Modern Witch. Um, mm. Just sort of looks very very millennial i really just got it because it looked deeply millennial um Mm -hmm. yeah millennial pride there Um, millennial museum yeah yeah (laughs) yeah um 
so the moon is vivid dreams and fears. Mm. Huh. <laughs> um, yeah. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, tends, it seems as though this card, uh, hmm. It encompasses the sort of full idea sort of behind this deck, which is it is all of the all of the unknown things, all of the uh, all of the mysteries, all of the possibilities, um, all of the hopes and dreams and and fears and things. All of those are in one area. Um, There's a lot of darkness. There's also a lot of hope, which is pretty great. Mm. Um, but this can also mean anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just long sort of periods of anxiety and self-doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. So how does that um, how does that sort of feel in the past position for you? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think the cards are like getting to the point, but also I think that you're, you're good at facilitating their meaning. Cause like what that makes me think of is, um, I mean, first of all, when I was, you know, traveling for the past few years before COVID, I would usually have a tarot deck with me and would, Mm. you know, and would read my cards and read cards for other people occasionally and have, you know, cards that recurred for me and that I came to, you know, give personal meaning to in the kind of journey that I was on. And so the moon for me sort of signified, um, you know, both the travel process that I was going through and also, you know, the journey that was facilitating, which was getting to sort of my unconscious fears and anxieties about who I was and what I was capable of. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, which I, I always had a Rider weight tarot deck and I'm very fond of the moon illustration in that, which is like a little crayfish going oh, on yeah. an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a great so, way to describe it. And you know, and then the moon itself too, obviously, but like the point, yeah. But like, I often feel like a little crayfish going on an adventure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a cute image. I really like it. <laughs> And you have to take public transportation because, of course, a crayfish can't drive or you just walk, really. Um, you can just walk if you have little legs, so many little legs. But um, I, re- I really did just picture, um, just picture a tiny crayfish for some reason with a cane and a top hat just oh, sort of yeah, trying totally. to catch a taxi. Um, no, which is- it. Yeah, it, I guess it's uh, a little bit like the shrimp character in the Muppets. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's. That yeah. is kind of what I'm picturing. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um. So that's, you know, that's my past, being a little crayfish uh. on an adventure. And, uh, mm. you know, and I also, what that naturally makes me think of, too, is my last relationship, which was, like, very much this feeling of kind of, 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 destiny at the time well i think destiny remains destiny it's just the story like folds back and forth like taffy and has more chapters than you expect but um but where there was a lot of fear and anxiety and sort of a feeling of of like being always about to um to get to the heart of things but never quite Mm -hmm. there 
you know, so this feeling of like trying to, uh, to enter this, well, really like the, I think, you know, to me, the moon is about sort of the parts of ourselves that we are prone to hide from ourselves and each other. Yeah. This attempt to, you know, this foiled attempt to, to know someone comes to mind. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. That, that all seems correct to me. Uh, (laughs) You have to go home. You have to be like, well, I just can't go any farther. I have to go home and have my dinner now. (laughs) Indeed. I, I don't know why the question of what do crayfish eat just popped in my head. Um, mm. Well, I mean, I know why it did, but little I don't know things. why it like. I, why I, yeah, it maybe they eat little fish, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I see them a lot in the rivers around here. I I love spending time, you know, outside and things. Um, nature is fun. Of, of course it is. Um, but yeah, love spending time outside. And um, during the summer, I like to count each summer how many I see. Uh, this past okay. summer, I only saw like four, but that was because I wasn't outside as much. Um, uh, I had good air conditioning this year, so that was kind of why I wasn't outside a whole lot. But, mm-hmm. you know, um, also also COVID, obviously, but like really more so the more so the air conditioning to go yeah. a lot this summer but yeah um hard to say no to mm-hmm. yeah i it's uh yeah i yeah this um hmm i do sort of want to ask about the travel bit though um more because mm. <laughs> i personally haven't done a lot of um like a lot of traveling in my adult life specifically, but um, wondering sort of um, what the, this is more of an interview question than it is like anything else really, but like what have been um, some of the like most joyful sort of most beautiful things that you've seen um, while traveling? Wow. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is sled dog races um, because I've been at the finish line of quite a few sled dog races and at the starting line. And both of them are beautiful because the starting line, the dogs are so excited to run. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, when the teams start going and if you have a bunch of them going in a row, you just watch team after team, you know, heading off into the darkness because a lot of them have night starts. Um, Mm -hmm you know, carrying this, this one person with like a light colored bib that you can sort of watch bobbing away and they, you know, disappear almost silently into the night. Um, and you know, there's just something extremely, you know, to me, the kind of beautiful thing about mushing is that it's something that allowed dogs and humans to work together and allowed Mm -hmm. the musher to essentially, join the dog team um and is you know is their guide and is the human and is the musher and is separate from them because they have to be because there's human intelligence that they need to use but also is able to to be part of them basically Mm. um oh yeah and what else i went to disney world like right after trump's inauguration and that was really weird and magical. I think that uh, It's a Small World is really, truly a special place. I also loved it as a little kid and like got kind mm. of obsessed with 
which was like, what is Disney World exactly after that? But that was just sort of like a sublimely timed experience of just being like in the heart of America at its most wonderful and worrying <laughs> simultaneously. Because I think that Disney World would be a magical place if it wasn't so unbelievably expensive and if it didn't treat its workers as badly as it does. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, I did have my friend on here um, previously who worked there. Um, and the, just the stories, just the stories from Disney are... Not bad, I bet. They're, um, they're yeah. both, like, there are some really good stories. There are also some, like, real weird things that just sort of, like, oh, whoa, okay. Um, yeah. I... My only Disney experience um, of like actually being at the park was uh, going, uh, it was last year, um, like right after podcast movement um, in Florida. And uh, it happened, like podcast movement ended right when um, I, oh God, what it's not, not Fright Fest. That's not the right word, but um, Mickey's not so scary Halloween was happening which <laughs> was just wild because i walk around the park and see all my favorite villains which is always nice i don't know i personally find yeah. that lovely oh yeah. Um, yeah the villains are really you know the villains tend to be the most lovable characters <laughs> they really the do <laughs> <laughs> i was talking to a co-worker today about like about um just sort of defending Ursula as I am wont to do um, where I, I just sort of wound up feeling, well, <laughs> Oh God. Um, the argument that I sort of had was that like, I don't really understand why the contract, like why no one made a big deal about the breaking of a contract because someone just didn't like the outcome, even though they actually signed the document. Mm. Um, like which normally is a thing that we generally in society think like yeah no if we signed a thing we kind of have to respect the contract that we've signed um except for this one major disney film where (laughs) nope someone just called their dad to like solve the problem i mean who didn't solve the problem ultimately and then who can even remember how all this got started I mean, we don't know the specific wording of this contract. And something that bothers me is that Ariel has three days, but it's like, Mm -hmm. it's not like 72 hours. It's like by the end of the third day and the first day started like not first thing in the morning. Um, Yeah. I wonder if you could contest it. I mean, first of all, you would need to get a lawyer. It would be a whole thing. (laughs) What country is it in even? (laughs) Do they have any kind of a legal system to take this plea for mediation? Or what? Was it notarized? I... <laughs> I think that I, my thing that I think makes Ursula sympathetic the most to me personally is that Triton is absolutely terrible. And yes, oh God, <laughs> that man is awful. Right. And so if she's in opposition to him. Then you're like, well, you know, I'm not crazy. Or, I personally am not crazy about her way of going about things either, but like there's gotta be an alternative. Like the, the current situation isn't good either. 
for these works. Yeah, like certainly she like I I will not argue with the fact that she's absolutely like a a a wee bit predatory, if you will. Yeah, um, like, with that well, contract, one shark, which is ironic because she has an octopus body, but <laughs> yeah, now like. Uh, we'll get back to the reading in a second. This is the last <laughs> funny question, though. Okay. What um, animal in the ocean do you think would be the lawyer? Oh. Specifically the defense attorney in this yeah. case. I don't know. Attorney like for, for Ariel or for Ursula. I mean, we can, yeah. Because then it's like, is there a certain, you know, creature that would be the lawyers? Or is there just like a sea law school that all kinds of creatures go to? And <laughs> I mean, really, this is just like a whole Pixar movie waiting to happen. But uh, I really want that to be a movie. <laughs> just see oh law. Yeah. Oh. And uh, well, okay. So I think that Ursula would have some kind of a uh, a high powered defense lawyer um, who could, if you wanted to do easy casting, could be played by a shark. But if we want to be creative then I think that, you know, it could just be a little crab. And then the little crab walks in and you're like, oh, he's just a little crab. That's not very intimidating. But then he hits them with all his exhibits. And and, and he's a great rhetorician, this little crab. Um, This is the John Cage crab. Um The Abby McBeal John Cage yeah, crab. Yes, exactly. This is like her underdog seeming crab lawyer. Um and and then Ariel's lawyer. Um because yeah, I'm down for this thing where like different species are lawyers. Um I think Ariel, I mean then you you could have more people that are lawyers, but I think that Ariel would hire something kind of cute and cuddly. She would have a puffer fish. <gasps> oh my god because <laughs> i just pictured them losing the case and just losing and like just floating away <laughs> oh god oh what a what a magical movie that would be <laughs> yeah just a little mermaid ariel versus ursula the civil case yeah yeah. Oh my god. And there's the a Eric like, is like, why does this puffer fish have such a high retainer? And there's strife about it. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, uh, movies that need to exist. <laughs> All right. So I will um, move to the present card, um, which I feel like is a good juxtaposition to the last one. Um, in literally every way, and you will see why. Um, I just find it funny. Um, the card in the present position is the sun. <laughs> which, That's so great. Yeah, I like. I do need to clarify. I shuffled these incredibly well, and these cards really should not have been near each other at all. Like with the way that I shuffle, they would have been on sort of opposite sides of the deck. So it, it, I, it's here. Um, and it seems to be a very, huh? Nice. It does seem to be a very good one. Um, so sort of 
sort of taken a moment to bask in the warm rays of the sun, uh, nourishing, healing, um, nice energy, nice vitality. Things feel a little bit clearer. Um, you're feeling that sort of a uh, bit of like feeling a bit of enlightenment sort of happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or yeah. Mm -hmm. there is an alternative to this, which is feeling a need for these things. Mm. Yeah. Not sure which of those resonates with you more, but um, the, <laughs> the feeling the need for these things just, that just struck me as a very familiar, mm -hmm. uh, just familiar feeling, just sort of looking at all of the, very positive things on this list and thinking wow yeah no those are all things that those are all things that sound lovely i would absolutely love those mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean both of those meanings resonate with me because you know on the one hand there's a feeling i have now of like like the phrase that comes to mind looking at this card is let the sun shine in um, oh yeah <laughs> and uh you know, this feeling that, you know, because for me, you know, one of the things this year was about was this feeling of, okay, so like, if we have this gigantic stressor, because we're having an epidemic right now, then like, what are the unsustainable things in our lives that we cannot continue to give energy to? I mean, the way that like, with a mm -hmm. plant, like you remove dead or damaged leaves, because then the plant doesn't waste energy that it could be spending on growing, trying to repair something that can't be healed. Like, I think that going through this year, this just this entire year of major stressor, um, mm -hmm. that I think, you know, to me, one of the positives is that a lot of people are forced to let go of like bad marriages, bad relationships, bad living situations, bad jobs. And then at the same time, of course, there's like probably just as many people forced to dig deeper into bad situations mm -hmm. because that's the only you know, financial yeah. there or what have you. So like, you know, who, <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not saying it's, it's, uh, it's for the best cause it, it never could be. It's, uh, but you know, I, I, I relentlessly search for, you know, the things that can seem like an upside to, to what apparently has to be going on. And so to me, this feeling of, you know, just, and also the feeling that, you know, the light as truth concept makes yeah. me um and just this idea of like all you know this to me this meshes with the concept of like all of these things are there and like if you want these things like just like open the blinds and receive these things yeah oh oh ooh, what an image first of all um yeah like when i when I think about this, especially um, with the the sort of there's a there's been a sort of forced um, forced introspection that I think has happened for a lot of people, which I think might have also been one of the reasons that um, <laughs> that certain people have been acting out a lot more, um, which meant more to me that they just saw things that they didn't necessarily like in themselves. Not to not to make that a super negative thing, but like. For a lot of people that I know, um, I I think I've like known more people who have, I've never known more people who have just suddenly um, either 
come out as gender non-conforming or mm. realize they were gay um <laughs> just like in um in such a short span of time mm. um and seeing all of these changes that like is just because people finally took a took a moment to stop and think and look and that moment to stop think and look sort of revealed these things to themselves that um sort of allowed them to allowed them to sort of grow and blossom which i think mm -hmm. is a is also another lovely lovely thing that the sun um that the sun can provide it provides the sort of nutrients with which one can um continue to grow and continue to uh yeah continue to grow and learn and figure things out which yeah which is a very that's such a that's such a nice thing that's such a nice thing to see oh, yeah. i really like that that makes me very happy um oh man but yeah that uh that in particular is just a very nice card to see there normally at this point what i do is a jump down to the problem simply yeah. because if we're in the present the problem tends to be something that is either um that is lying somewhere between the present and the future uh. yeah um either it's a fear of something coming or it is a uh or it is something that is already here and stressful as hell so looking at the uh problem card we've got here the oh no, why is my phone being weird? Okay, there we go. Um, it's the Four of Pentacles, mm. which has to do with possession and control. Huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, pertaining mainly to sort of material and financial things, um, <laughs> which, hmm, um, <laughs> sort of, again, looking at that sort of, that sort of, uh, I don't know, the thing that led to forced introspection. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, looking at that, I can sort of just blanket understand why that might be a potential concern. Um, though on the positive end, this does... Huh. This card is more of a warning? Hmm. Like, it suggests... It suggests that there's going to be material gain and stability, which is lovely, um, of course. Like, that's just a lovely thing. It's nice when things generally are secure, but it is also a general warning of, um, of avoiding becoming... Avoiding becoming very possessive and very controlling over these sort of new, new assets. Mm -hmm. um, like hold on to them sure just not too tightly mm -hmm. um right. because that can sort of lead to stagnation you see that also potentially as like advice toward generosity or the idea that you know to to grow and move forward like mm. openness is is the path yes mm. for sure Oh, for sure. That is it. Yes, I think that is exactly what the what the advice of this specific card is. Um, is definitely that. Like, which also that's one thing I actually love about this deck a lot 
is that each individual card on it has a recommendation, mm. um, which is just lovely. Um, and also is very good writing because it covers each and every sort of stage that one might find this card. Um, it was just, just crafty and inventive. Well done. Uh, well done person who wrote this little booklet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think, uh, I think, yeah, that is a, it's a just sort of, the the problem i suppose is um being able to find and hold that um and hold that sort of openness mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. or potentially that could be the problem or maybe that's just the solution to whatever the problem is that's upcoming mm-hmm. hmm. yeah no that makes sense to me yeah now in the solution section there's a people card. Um, <laughs> I like to call them people cards, despite the fact that they have an actual name. Um, <laughs> court cards. Uh, so it's a court card. It is the Daughter of Cups, mm. um, which is one of my favorite in this deck um, because it has a lovely little rainbow um, and a cute little duck. Uh, <laughs> and ducks are lovely unless you get too close to them, um, at which point then, well, hmm. Not a great decision. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Avoid geese at all costs. Um, just a, a note from every Canadian I've ever met. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the Daughter of Cups is creative and emotional. Um, so it's interesting this being in the sort of solution uh, area. Mm-hmm. I always find I always find it weird when these specific cards are in the, are in an area <laughs> that has something to do with um, solving a problem. Is it it usually either is embody this energy, which will help you get through whatever is up what whatever is on its on its way, or. Or it is find somebody else who has this energy, which is, um, which I don't know necessarily how that solves, uh, how that would potentially tie into the last card of, um, and the last card sort of suggesting, um, and recommending that, like, that openness is there, uh, Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But it all could just be indulge your inner artist, um, which I mean I don't know if that does that feel like a thing you haven't been doing or does that feel like a thing you have been? No, it it does because I feel you know I mentioned earlier than when actually introducing myself that uh, writing is not something that's part of my daily practice in the way that it used to be, and I don't think it has to be a mm-hmm. daily practice thing. I actually find it frustrating when people you know give advice to young writers and they're like you have to write every day and it's like okay, oh god you don't have to do anything every day except mm-hmm. sleep brush your teeth if you can and if you're not too tired and uh drink water and that's basically mm-hmm. it so <laughs> yeah yeah, so, yeah. Like, especially in this time of like widespread creative burnout you know and everyone just like going through these massive, you know, just like what stress does to our brains. Like we as a culture are very in denial of that. And I think, I hope Mm. again, that being pushed so hard um, 
from so many sides will make us finally admit that we're softer than we would like to think yeah. and allow, you know, our workers <laughs> to be soft. But yeah, but yeah, but I would, but I do uh, remember times when my writing was not a place I went every day, but a place that I, I went to and spent a lot of time in and went and went to often. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and that is my intention to bring that kind of space back into my life. Um, but also, you know, it just makes sense to me to, to think about that as, again, connecting that with the previous card and thinking about openness and generosity and, you know, uh -huh. material generosity and then the kind of spiritual generosity that I think results in, you know, offering and then receiving more in return, because I think that that's what happens uh, to us when we offer a sincere emotion to those around us. Yeah. Ooh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I sort of figured this would happen um, where I, I had a general thought of I don't know where my brain is specifically at today, but what I do know is when talking to a person who you know to be absolutely brilliant, they will make these connections better than I do, for sure. Um, but yeah, um, I think one of the one of the things I sort of that that you just said that I'm thinking a lot about is. Um, <laughs> If in a time of great anxiety, um, the last thing I actually want to do is feel required to do literally anything. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, admittedly, like I am fortunate enough to still have um, not just one job, but two. Um, and to have those responsibilities for both of them, I, while it can feel stressful, um, it is still a, it's still something that is, that is good for me to have, but that stress is still there. Um, and I know personally as a writer, um, I, shit, I haven't written anything, anything really like, and finished anything since last October, but just not a single thing. Um, <laughs> it's, um, so I don't fully have the pandemic to blame for that. Uh, but I, I, mm, It'll account from like March to now, um, specifically, but like prior to that, it was other things, but specifically, um, yeah, specifically, I think, uh, the anxiety of, of hearing, yes, write in order to be a writer, you must write things, um, which, wow, that sounds logical, <laughs> knowing how humans work mm -hmm. is not always the most logical, um, so yeah, it just uh, it's a uh, an interesting little interesting little spot a uh, little spot to be in, um, but that that opening that opening um, opening up of creative energy seems like that will lead to something quite delightful. Um, aha, seamless transition. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> of um. Uh, another what hmm i was like looking and seeing the um what different um 
what different sort of suits are in one reading. Um, it's been Cups, the Major Arcana, and Pentacles. Mm. Um, and we're ending with the Pentacles. Um, we're ending with the Ace of Pentacles. Mm. We're ending this part of the reading anyway. There's still one more part. But um, but yeah, this one is Prosperous Beginnings. Wow. Yeah. So that little, that little opening up of the creative energy is going to lead to uh, something new. And it'll lead to something new coming down the pipeline. And uh, that's always... I don't know. That always sounds fun, yeah. um, especially for the, uh, for the, <laughs> especially for the for the adventurous crawfish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and this one I love too because this is a, a cross section of a tree, and you know we have all these cracks too, and so it's you know, and then smaller branches growing out of the bark so it feels as if it's still alive um yeah so it's you know cracking apart and has this sort of like bright sort of like magma looking center yeah i think based on based on the way the description is um sort of written it just describes that little part in the middle as the uh the tiny seedling that once stood where the giant redwood is Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and how um and uh sort of looking at that beginning and what can grow from that little beginning um and also reminding ourselves how important it is to stay grounded um and also also, the advice of this card is just go out and appreciate nature, which I feel, <laughs> which I feel is just generally good advice, but also weird to, a little bit weird to receive um, that advice in like November. Uh, yeah, it's you know I'm in Portland. It's pretty mm-hmm. mild. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. I've never I've never been out there, so that that's yeah. a. Well, we've had, we have cold winters. We have spells of cold weather in the winter, but it generally stays, you know, normal winter weather is like 30s to 40s. So yeah, it's Uh, really consistently, but that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's not, that could be worse, I suppose. Um, For like cold, like mid, like Minnesota weather where it's like, you know, it's, it's freezing but you have a bright blue sky and bright white snow and there's just like light being beamed at you from every direction like that. I really would prefer, mm. but understandable. Um, walk, so <laughs> where did you, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Portland uh, too. And, uh, and in Honolulu mm. for a few years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh, well, so. that must've been exciting. That little, <laughs> yeah that was a really um a remarkable interval and there's like so much about that that i think gave me like just an interesting experience of being an american because Mm. um you know like i went to a school that was very like uptight and rule focused but where we also like went and learned about um queen lily okolani's house arrest and her you know attempt to resist the Hawaii being annexed as a state to serve the interests of like the Dole plantation and so on and uh, or the Dole Fruit Corporation who now grow all their pineapples in China and 
That was just a, a remarkable piece of education to receive as an American school child, just this concept of like resisting becoming part of the United States with every fiber of your being is a wonderful and noble thing to do. Like, <laughs> huh? Yeah. Who would thought? Too, but yeah. 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 I have a lot of, you know, a lot of little moles now that I, I uh, wish I had, I had listened to my parents more about sunscreen, but there's, <laughs> well, yeah. there's trade-offs with everything. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. There, Yeah, no, I, mm, I think about that kind of, kind of frequently. Well, specific, I, that's one of the, one of the coolest places I've ever been was Kauai um, when I was, I, oh god how old my favorite island (laughs) it was it was so pretty it i i loved it i i loved it but i'm also at the age where i barely remember it um i was i think like 13 like it just watch the beginning of raiders of the lost ark to be like trans because that's where they filmed it um once you realize that steven spielberg likes filming his movies on Kauai (laughs) and put together a festival. I'm trying to think. This is the lovely moment where I just quickly Google Raiders of the Lost Ark because I don't don't think I've seen that one. With the big boulder rolling and, you know, it almost gets him and there's like the golden idol and he puts the bag of sand down to take it and there's a big booby trap and yeah the like the 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 indiana jones ride sequence oh wait a minute oh fun thing i do have a fun thing about that actually um so raiders of the lost ark um marion ravenwood Mm -hmm. um specifically um i'm currently in in a school that she has taught at uh, oh. numerous times, like right, I'm I'm literally yeah, in the building where she right? teaches. Huh? Yeah. Ah. Ah. Yeah, I've met her like a few times in that weird way of like, oh, this woman looks wildly familiar. I don't really know. Who she is. <laughs> That's so funny um, that she's like, yeah, that she's been in your very building, right? But you're like. Like mm-hmm. you're checking someone's ID and you're like, are you Marion Ravenwood? <laughs> yeah, just like looking at her like, oh. Ravenwood's daughter. <laughs> it's like, well, hi. Uh, like she, she's, um, I've seen her. She has a store in town. Um, she does fiber arts. Um, <laughs> she's a very I nice remember, lady. I, I remember like finding out that she was doing fiber arts at some point. And this was like pre-Crystal Skull days. And I found her like, the website for her store and i was just so delighted by that somehow like that just made me i don't know because like you because often especially earlier like now celebrities are easier to kind of keep track of you know like i follow on instagram the woman betsy russell who played jigsaw's wife and she's adorable (laughs) and stuff like that but it used to be like they would just like keep being in movies or they would just disappear apparently. And so it was this exciting thing of like, cause I just loved that character so much when I was growing up and I love, oh, yeah. you know, anyone who kind of was, was an adventurer and was down to have an adventure like a crayfish and, you know, 
being introduced by like out drinking some guy like many <laughs> her size was um I'm uh, happy to say that I haven't followed in her footsteps, but I still think that was really cool <laughs> of her. And she, you know, she had to collect those winnings to get out of Nepal. Darn it. Um, yeah, finding her popping up in this random and wholesome way has just always made me so happy. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. And like the fact that that's what she teaches here when she does teach here, like I, I I'm presuming currently she's not living in the area. Um, I could only presume that because I also know that she like just made a movie kind of recently and like not that you can't make movies here but like <laughs> the weather's not cooperative 90% of the time I don't know that it would make sense to film it out here but well um but yeah no I I think uh every time that I've spoken to her she's been really really quite lovely um lovely though also I think my uncle was a big fan of Indiana Jones I that's uh, the the reason I like always kind of forget and didn't really recognize her is I still have like I've seen like parts of various movies, but like I don't um I, I've never sat down and just watched a full Indiana Jones movie. This is gonna be the year that I do it. So I mean I'm at of course it is because I mean, it's very funny. Watching to see, you know, characters who like don't get all mealy mouthed about Nazis. Like and yeah, it was like very clear on his stance on on whether or not <laughs> Nazis. Like he will punch all the Nazis that he can see, and uh, you know, it's refreshing. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say the fact that that's refreshing makes me a little depressed. But well, a fun family film that's anti-Nazi, like very explicitly. How rare! Like, oh my god. <laughs> but but it is i mean seriously it i do think that mm -hmm. the way that spielberg used nazis as a villain is is quite wonderful because i think um something that really didn't occur to me until recently and it's funny to me because i just grew up on on both these directors movies is that both star wars and the indiana jones movies are so clearly influenced by like serials of the 30s and 40s and like flash mm. And these old, you know, and that Star Wars opens with a crawl that's supposed to make <laughs> you feel like you're watching an old serial. Like there are these really these love letters to early cinema and early Hollywood and just these classic adventure stories um, aimed at children. And, you know, I think comic books to an extent. <laughs> and, the, you know, that the Star Wars one of that specifically is funny to me because I um, Star Wars is the first one was the reason I, uh, I didn't like, I, I couldn't do space fiction, um, of any kind for a minute. Um, so there's that lovely, very traumatic scene of just like the uncle and the aunt, like that when I was oh a tiny child, like <laughs> where, where they're just out in the front lawn, like just, yeah. and it was basically <laughs> on the searchers. And like, if you watch the searchers and you watch star Wars, you're like, yeah, I'll bet it was like, <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Oof. You know? yeah that was such like it was it was weirdly traumatic when i was a kid i rewatched it for um my other uh for my other podcast and i like had blocked out that specific memory but i've always had a you know what i don't like movies about space just energy and yeah. i don't like <laughs> i didn't remember why and then i saw that i was like oh yeah yeah it checks out yeah and it's funny because yeah. i don't remember seeing that scene specifically as a kid but i watched all these movies 
tons of times we had them on tape. And so, yeah, watching it, I think when I was 18 and hadn't seen them in a few years, I was like, oh, wow, like this movie really goes there. It's like, no, we're going to show you this boy's the charred corpses of the only parents he's ever known. Like, don't worry. Yeah. Like, he's Oof. not faking it. It's like, okay. <laughs> oh, man. And then he really yeah. just bounces back. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure he's processing his feelings in private. But yeah. I hope he did. <laughs> I hope he had space therapy. Um, whatever that yeah, looks like. I hope um. he has some kind of a plan for that. But. But yeah, with Raiders of the Lost Ark, I feel like there's, you know, it also is is kind of lovely to me that, you know, the 70s are this amazing decade of cinema and, you know, American auteur film is coming alive and it's possible to embark on all of these brand new adventures of like, what can a film be? What can it do? Like how weird or gritty or personal can it get? And Steven Spielberg is like, no. Like we're going to have grand adventures with big orchestras <laughs> and we're going to punch Nazis because <laughs> of them, just the whole movie. And just, we're going to have good and evil and, and Nazi villains and, and big brass sections and, and Jeep faces mm-hmm. and, and grand cinematic experiences with very clear <laughs> heroic characters and and god himself as a kid <laughs> oh man <laughs> this is the kind of very bold thing that i as a writer have like maybe done like twice because i have liked writing fiction things um uh and just i i don't know the audacity of people to fight god is just a very is a thing that i just will always bring back into like everything that i do ever <laughs> I think it's a metaphor for queerness, but that's fine. Um, anyway, just, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh man. I, I do want to ask though, um, mm-hmm. did, do you think that um, watching those adventure type movies are um, one of the things that led you to be a writer who traveled around and saw all of these different places? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think, I mean, something I've thought about recently is that when I was um, a young teenager, I just loved Law and Order. And I would come home and watch mm. all afternoon and like do my homework during the commercials. And it's like, you know, just amazing to come to terms later on with the fact that like, that was some of the most effective propaganda ever produced on American. <laughs> it was like, you know, like it, I mean, there's lots of other media at the, from the time that was more overt, I think, but Law and Order really knew how to sort of grab mm-hmm. the moderate mind or like the liberal American mind and be like, you don't want to have the death penalty. We just have to, because, because people are so terrible. Don't think about it too much. Sam Water. They really did, didn't they? <laughs> they wow. Really did. I'm, I'm very, you know, I would, yeah, I would love to, in a focused way, like dissect some, spe- there's an episode that specifically does this where, and it was based on the case of um, Carla Faye Tucker, who was a, a mm. woman who was executed in Texas. And at the time she was the f- something like the first woman to be executed in the United States in, in a very long time, or um, it was you know, just, and women are very rarely executed too. Um, and yeah. she had 
collaborated with, and she had taken part in a murder in a pretty horrific way, like which she had confessed to um, openly and, you know, been sentenced to death. And then after that became a model inmate, became a born again Christian, which happens a lot to people in prison, you know, and it I, really I, does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, And it makes sense. Cause like that's emotional connection. And like, just the concept of receiving unconditional love, like, you know, if mm. you're told by the process that you've just been through that, like you're, you're subhuman, then it feels like, like Jesus is kind of <laughs> the one entity that your jailers respect who like disagrees with them about, that maybe yeah i don't know but yeah i i i just i i just had to refresh myself on on um on her case i i feel like where i saw it last was in a national geographic um wow they have really out from geography haven't they yeah they have because i also (laughs) got one the other day about like um just about the supernatural like uh, you know halloween and whatnot um it was in the store and i had just gotten my paycheck and was feeling feeling great so <laughs> let me scare myself with a magazine whoo um but yeah that was a yeah um but i i remember um i remember her story a bit but the thing that i remember most about most about it was i remembered her name and her face because hmm. her face, like, she has a very specific look. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I and I her face, too, interestingly. Yeah. yeah, I remember that being one of the things that was, um, that was sort of a little bit shocking, just sort of based on, um, well, not, well, shocking feels like a weird way to put that. Um, but, like, the thing that, um, <clears throat> that sort of surprised me a bit was a person who has this sort of general look um still being sentenced to death in america says something about america that is a little bit surprising um like i don't know it's just a surprising thing to me um but also well i don't know how could I be surprised at this country and who right. they decide to execute anymore, to be honest? Um, right. should not actually be shocked. I mean, this but, relates well. to how I watched Child's Play for the first time recently and was just Oof. amazed at like how much I loved it and how scary it truly was and how one of the most scary things about it was that Chucky has framed this little boy, Andy, who is six, for these serial homicides he's committing. And the cops are oh like, well, Andy, looks like you're a serial killer. We're going to put you in jail. And you're like, yep, that's 80s America, pretty much. They're just like, well, the six-year-old's a serial killer. Got to take him away now. Put him in the clink. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think like, a slight exaggeration, but, like, yeah. Well, like, the wild thing is that that's just a thing that at some point would cross someone's mind. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, clearly this eight-year-old is just out here slaying people left and right. What? What? 
well you know they don't realize the doll is alive so and it's like okay but like isn't there a third hypothesis between the doll did it and the little boy did it like uh, like surely you might look at the parents and this i don't denying any role in the murders (laughs) (laughs) like i don't know maybe look at everybody else before you look at the kid just maybe like i don't know child's play they're like well looks like your son is a serial killer ma'am sorry maybe you should have another one um yeah the the law and order episode inspired by carla Fay tucker was going for the same moral that i think because uh because it was under george w bush's governor i think that her her death sentence wasn't commuted and there was you know there were a lot of this was a big news story there were a lot of people uh try advocating for her and she was you know really i think a very good candidate for clemency and there was this attitude that i think uh texas wanted to uh sell people on of like it doesn't matter that she's reformed Mm -hmm. like all and everyone is equal under the law like isn't it great (laughs) that we are her and like the sam waterston version of that is basically like you know if we don't execute this model inmate then we're saying that we don't see other inmates as e- i really don't get it like it doesn't make sense <laughs> but people thought it made sense they're like we just can't it wouldn't be fair to the other people that we're murdering soon yeah like what i just oh god like <laughs> Uh, I've been where you encounter someone standing on a beach and there's dying starfish all around them and you're like why don't you pick up one of those starfish and throw it in the water and they're like that would be unfair to all of these other starfish but we'll also (laughs) die on this beach I just going to stand here and look at them (laughs) and now here's the laugh break where I laugh for three minutes straight because Oh God, that's one of my like. Uh, that's like my favorite. Um, my favorite type of argument, like my favorite type of bad argument, is that one. Um, mm. Is the is the fairness thing, but the thing that you're being fair about is kind of dumb. Um, yeah, and it's like, like the, yeah, right, like equal access to something terrible. <laughs> equal access to I'm trying to think of something else that would be just terrible and I don't know why my brain can't like come up with bad things probably because I've been enjoying this call too damn much um it's nighttime this is a helpful thing yeah um things though that does I do want to make sure that I get you your last um your last card here I just the energy of this one is so very very lovely um it's uh this is from the uh the corresponding deck to this one which is the wild unknown animal spirit um and it is the hummingbird oh mhm yeah hummingbird um which uh I'll actually read this description cuz i think it's just it's mm-hmm. a lovely one um the hummingbird is positive enthusiastic and spiritually resourceful Inside the tiny hummingbird resides an endless well of energy and positivity. The hummingbird's secret 
is that it has learned to gather or sorry is that it has learned where to gather nectar and it returns to these sources daily for nourishment and rejuvenation this sacred elixir springs from many sources but usually involves nature creativity and exploring spirituality follow the way of the hummingbird and you cannot go wrong every droplet of life becomes sweet every moment worth savoring mm. just lovely energy yeah. to carry yeah. forth into the future yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. holding I, on to that positivity and i love that because a i spent the summer on my parents porch where they have a hummingbird feeder that got a lot of traffic um and hummingbirds that would just like get close and hang out and like buzz around your head the whole time um and also that i feel like it connects with this theme that we've been talking about of you know of the resources being there you know mm -hmm. and just like just learning to go where the where the resources are and learning to trust that yeah yeah that's the that is the overarching theme of the thing um go where the resources are and make use of them um make use of the resources that are there that's hmm. i love when there is just an easily <laughs> just an easy an easy theme that can be just easily said in like a sentence and a half. Just nice. Um, just a nice way to like, just sort of put a bow on everything. Mm. Um, so, all right. Um, now that I've, I, I think in my text, I said like an hour and a half. Um, I think I said that. I don't remember at this point. I don't remember either. That sounds right, though. Let's say you said yeah. that. <laughs> well, here we are wrapping up close enough to that, which is pretty great. Um, but yeah, so I suppose the best thing to do now would be to tell the lovely people where they can find you on the internet. Yay. Um, well, you can find me. You can find my podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and you can find me on twitter at remember underscore sarah which is where i write every day i write jokes every day most days but yeah pretty much every day <laughs> and it makes me smile almost every day which is great if not smile then laugh probably at something um which is good yeah, yeah and you make me smile there too and that's yeah it's Aww. a place where i get to you know sit down and and check in with my my aunt my little online co-workers so you know yeah that's pretty great yeah always lovely i will um because i'm because i'm just this type of human i'm probably gonna like link to some of my absolute favorite episodes in the description box so listeners make sure you check those out um including and i um this is i think one of the first times i've during the call like made a list of like one of the things I like to do in the show notes is um, sort of do a general preview of like where the digressions were. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is, I think, one of the first times I've written them down during the actual call. Like, I tend <laughs> to do it after the fact when I'm reviewing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, I wrote I wrote some of them down during this, which is wild. Um, wild that I took notes. It's crazy. I like, would never do that. Too long. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I can digress 
of a store. So. Oh, as can I. It's my favorite. Like, I I find with podcasts specifically, those tend to be my favorite moments. Um, oh yeah, is the the related but also not related digression and how we got there is always just a fun. Just a fun journey to go down. Oh, yeah. That's why I think it works well in advertising episodes, um, for lack of a better way yeah. to describe it. No, um, but yeah, I will for sure be linking um, to the uh, to both podcasts and my favorite episodes of both. Um, I'm and uh, about what you think as as a listener, because I always want to know. Because you know, when you make something, you can't really experience it the way people do. Like. Is there an episode that you think would be soothing or that you find soothing for, you know, whatever's going on? Because things will continue to be stressful. I think that's fair to assume. (laughs) My favorite, um, one of my favorite episodes, um, I think one of the ones that I especially, uh, ooh, I forgot specifically when I first listened to it, but when I listened to it, it it made me feel things in a in the best possible way. Um, was uh, ooh, um, it was the one on Stonewall. Oh yeah, that one came yeah. out in June of last year. Yeah, yes, it did. There we go. That was like trying to remember when that came out, um, because I have the memory of a tiny goldfish. Apparently, <laughs> apparently today I do. I remember when my children were released into the world. All hundred and four of them. <laughs> <laughs> wow, up to a hundred and four episodes of that. Yeah, it's not ridiculous. Like, wow, it just shows how persistent Mike is. Because, like, I in the beginning it was not fun to work with. Like I had major imposter syndrome and, and was just, and you know, reflected that by oh. being like, I'll be ready to start this call any second. Now I'll keep delaying it by five minute intervals for, for 45 minutes. And mm. this was like, whatever, we're going to do great episodes. Like just, you know, just um, it's a, it's that relationship is, is a testament to, um, you know, if someone is, much more certain than you are that you're going to do good work with them then that work will become a reality oh totally oh you know what actually there were two others that were like that hit me in a very specific way mm-hmm. um that was a li- that was surprising to me at the time oh well there's one that wasn't surprising, which was the Abonics controversy, which I just, I absorbed a lot and was like, oh, I've <laughs> learned so much during this, <laughs> which like, like I, I, despite being alive during that, I completely missed that whole thing. Because <laughs> It was like something that was being implemented in such a narrow way. And so like the conversation about it was just like, not about anything that had anything to do with most Americans lives so it was it just became Mm. so abstract yeah yeah it was that so that one was not unsurprisingly like hit me um uh uh Kitty Genovese and uh bystander apathy Mm. um because mainly because I was one of those students that took a psych class and then also had to sit there and think like wait a minute yeah something about this don't add up um (laughs) like 
which I did at the time too, but like couldn't really put the words to like something right. about this seems a little off. Not sure what it is, but something feels weird. And it was nice to sort of hear, um, to hear a culmination of all the things that like, oh yeah, this sounded off to me. There we are. There's the reason it sounded off, which right. is just... um. Which is always a lovely thing. And then the one about sex offenders, which I think um, that the reason that one um, sort of got to me is because I'd been thinking about um, about the registry specifically more and more just be just because um, just because it's a thing that is around that seems bizarre and has seemed bizarre for a while it seemed bizarre to me because initially um like knowing like one of the things i grew up knowing is the fact that someone can wind up on the registry for something that had nothing to do with like a serious offense Mm -hmm. like like if you could like like for sending a text of yourself and like with a you know with a nude or semi-nude photo of yourself if you are a minor like there are people who are on a registry for that or yeah or something of that yeah like there's that but also the fact that people could wind up on the registry for just like being drunk in public and peeing where you weren't supposed to which i'm like that's which like uh, i mean and like talk about a year for people empathizing with the concept of what happens when you criminalize public urination because like mm. i'm sure many people (laughs) who didn't public urinators before have become that (laughs) yeah oh oh my god where you can't pee without buying stuff oh Uh -oh. (laughs) that upsets me so much i um i used to live out near uh out near boston for well I don't know. I say I lived there. It was during college, so I don't really know that I fully count that as living there. I just mm-hmm. count that as like living on a campus for a few years. But, mm-hmm. um, but when I was out there and sort of biking around the city, it was always so stressful knowing that just sometime during that timeout, I might need to pee, and I didn't know where that would happen. I just it was always a little bit of a nightmare especially growing up in um in the middle of the woods i'm like this is growing up in the middle of the woods is lovely because honestly nobody really gives a shit if i just sort of pee randomly pretty much anywhere no as a kid like, grew up, i was like there's an elvira kurtz um is her name kurtz mm-hmm. or kurt oh my god uh mm-hmm. it's kurt and i'm thinking of captain kurt yeah okay there's a canadian comedian named elvira kurt who i love and who has a specific routine that i like identify with so strongly because this is like just something like it's like a behavior that you sort of do a million times but maybe never see named in your life but her just what she describes is like wanting to return to like the time in her childhood when you are just like wake up and you're like i've been sleeping in my bathing suit and i feel fine and and i was like yes the summer that i would spend in my bathing suit and then i forget if she mentioned this activity specifically but the thing of when i would just like be outside in my one-piece bathing suit and i would have to pee and i would just yank it to the side just not even (laughs) 
pop, just not even take it all the way off. Because why would you bother? Just <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I, I've worked at a summer camp before, and I've like there there have been children who, again, despite the fact that there was a bathroom like actually right there, and we did yeah. have public access to it, um, like we could just easily actually access it, just right next to the playground while a whole bunch of other kids were playing. I was like, oh. Yeah. But she, Why but bother? She didn't. <laughs> but at that point, she didn't have a bathing suit, so she, like, uh, had to take things off. And then, yeah. then I was like, uh, honey. See, that um, makes it awkward because you're going through stuff in front of people, which is something you learn with age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That was just, that was a little on the awkward side. And I, like, I felt bad because I wasn't quite sure how to say something, but also not shame. Right. Yeah. Like I think it's a like, hard tone to find as an adult talking to a child when you're like, I don't yeah. want to ruin the joy of maturating in nature for you. Mm-hmm. Great. But like, yeah, I guess this thing of being like, I'm cool with this, but other people are less cool or something. <laughs> Yeah, like we were also at the time our summer camp was like inside of a was like inside of a Jewish temple and <laughs> there were services happening and that was really the part of my brain where I was right. like, honey, no, there are services right there. No. Yeah. You don't want to distract people trying to, you know. Just being in the like middle that. of prayer and just looking over it, just oh yeah. I mean, God did create that little little child peeing on the grass. <laughs> you know? It's just that you, you know, it's a distracting yeah. bit of uh, creation. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. <laughs> Again, the digressions on this are just, yeah. are just crazy and fun. Um, but yeah, uh, so lovely, dear listeners, um, please listen to all of the episodes that I have already stated. Um, and also, um, and also, uh, just remember to look at the show notes. Uh, if you have time and energy, um, feel free to rate the show on iTunes five stars, preferably. Um, I mean, rate what you feel, but also like you know if you want other people to know about it five stars then um or share it with people that lovely thing um uh y'all know where i'm at on social media i ain't gotta tell y'all um so (laughs) um as always dear listeners be well do as much good work as you possibly can while also you know acknowledging the stress of fucking everything um hopefully y'all voted but if even if you have, uh, just check it on your buddies and make sure that everyone in your friend group is okay. And stay safe out there, dear lovely listeners. Bye.